Good morning, everybody. Welcome, everybody. You're listening. To- <laughs> I don't know what that was. You're listening to Faith FM eighty seven point six, eighty seven point eight, or right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is the Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning, and you're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, welcome to the show. What are you thankful for this morning? Ah, oh, so many things. I am really grateful that I can speak. This morning You can speak Yes Lawson has the power of speech Yes Lawson will use some words today Yes I'm, And I'm stoked about it Because I haven't really been able to speak over the weekend <laughs> I mean, So it's like, kind of a good thing that you, you had a break yesterday then. Yeah I know when you texted me you're like Oh yeah hey uh, Like you know if you, you can come in if you want tomorrow. I'm like, I'm definitely not coming in because I'd be <laughs> of no benefit because I can't even speak. So, so yeah, it was actually really, it was really timely and I'm really blessed. I'm still like, my throat's a little bit messed up, but at least I can speak. So well, at the beginning of this, maybe by the end of the show, you might be struggling a little bit more, but we will nah. try and give you as much of a, uh, an easy time as possible as we go to, through today's show. I'm um, good. Wreck me. Let's, let's do it. Uh, uh, Let's yeah. do it. Let's okay. smash it. All right, let's smash uh, it. I'm good. Good. Still, what are you grateful for this morning? Oh, I'm th- I'm grateful for something that I probably shouldn't be grateful for, but I am. Well, this makes me I'm, nervous. I'm very I'm very torn about <laughs> this one. It's like there's this there's this there's this tension because there's part of me that just like super grateful for it. I'm so excited, and another part's like, ooh, actually that's a, re- a bit heavy for other people in the world that would be listening in and thinking, what the heck is wrong with you? Uh huh. Yeah. So, so what so are what, you grateful what, for? I'm grateful for the earthquake yesterday because it's the first time I've ever experienced a ground move. Wait, where was that? Denman. Denman? Yeah. Where's that? Just out the back of my place. Okay. There was an earthquake there. I was, I was, I was in my office. I was doing work. <clears throat> an earthquake hit. I walked out into the living room and told Shell, we just had an earthquake. And I come in this morning on the news. There it is. Voila! We had an earthquake. I called it. I felt it. Wow. Yeah. That's had, incredible. I actually had two. I missed one of them. Ah, okay. One was 3.7, one was 4.1. They're decent-sized earthquakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The house was, the house was shaking and rocking. Yeah. And wobbling backwards and forwards. I, I was in like a four and a half earthquake and I like fell over. So, like, that four is decent. This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. We're going to kick off the day with some energy. Peter, Paul and Mary early in the morning. Help me find a way, help me find a way, to the promised land, this lonely body, needs a helping hand, I ask the Lord to help me please, find a way, when the new day is a dawn, about my healing prayer, I pray to the Lord, won't you lead me there? Guide me safely through the golden stairs. Won't you let this body, your 
When the judgment comes, find the world in shame. When the trumpet blows, won't you call my name? Won't you call my name? When the thunder rolls and the heavens rain, when the sun turns black, never shine again. Never shine again when the trumpet blows. Won't you call me, please? Call my name. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
That was the Bethlehem Children's Chorus with Joy to the World here on Faith FM. And it is that time of year when we remember the birth of Jesus and the joy that that brings to our world every year. Amen. Every, every day. Yeah. You. Yeah. All right, quiz time. Let's have a quiz there, Lawson. What do you got uh, for us? Who am I? So this is a person. Are you ready? 1-800-324-843. Well, you just gave the answer. You said this was a person. Who <laughs> Now we know the answer. Just call 1-800-324-843 and uh, say it's a person. You will not be wrong. Okay. But you might not get a prize. Yeah. <laughs> but you won't be wrong. Okay, who am I? I told Peter we have found the Messiah. All right, then. Now let's He's thinking. To... He's scrounging the recesses of his brain. Oh, he's writing, and the answer is correct. So no double prizes up for grabs this morning, unfortunately. But you can still win an amazing prize if you know the answer to this quiz. Of course, we're going to be giving more and more and more clues to make it easier and easier and easier. And then you can win a prize completely for free. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843. All right, so what's happening in positively different news around the oh, world? This positively morning? different news around the world. Oh, man, I said earlier that, like, you know, I'm thankful that I can talk today, but I have a whole host of things to be thankful for. Um, my amazing sister, who's been at uni all year, my little sister, she's back up at our family, well, at my dad's house um, for Christmas, so hanging out with her is really cool until oh, till last night. Let's <laughs> name yeah. <laughs> I've heard this story off air. Yeah, I, I'm kind of thinking we might. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's just say, let's just say, I got home and I couldn't go to the toilet, so I had to go to Macca's instead. Let's let's, let's just start <laughs> it and end it there. Somebody used up all of the toilet paper. That's a, that that's how so it goes. So this is what happens when you're. <laughs> When your uh, darling sister comes home, you call her out on radio. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's what I do. She can, she can, she can handle why be, it. Why be a, why be a radio host and not be able to do that kind of thing? Exactly. Right? What, what, <laughs> what other perks of the job could there possibly be other than that? Like calling out my family and doing shout outs and stuff. Also, like shout out my little sister because I love her and she's awesome. But like, <sighs> uh, well. Anyways. Go. I have a list. A list. A list of things okay. that people are grateful for. Not only myself, but people all Where around the world. Where did you find this list? I found it um, on on a number of news sites. Different li- like It's a corroboration of, of lists. And the list is basically the top 10 steps that people have taken this year to improve the climate. Okay. Yeah, so people, you know, they've been compiling, like, you know, what are the big milestones? What are the big things that have happened this year? I think 2019, more than any other year, is probably being, and we'll probably see this as we go into the future, the most climate-conscious year that we've seen so far. Definitely. Definitely. And so that means, you know, as, as like, you know, as people are becoming more climate-conscious, that means more people are putting effort into climate change solutions yeah um, I, I got a story about this is just like blowing my mind at the moment it's coming up in the next seg- segment about nativity scenes oh that is 
Yes. You can't, okay. You can't, okay. You, like, how okay. Two, so I, I don't have anything about nativity scenes, but that is the most awesome thing ever. But um, let's have a look at uh, the top ten greatest things that people are doing towards climate change. In my personal opinion, I might change. I would change some of these around because I think that this one in number ten spot is probably higher than a lot of others, and that is the Dutch company has unveiled the world's first long-range solar panel car called the. The four-passenger light year one. And so, they've already sold, you know, it's a prototype stage at the moment, but they've already had a 100 or so pre-orders, and their pre-orders are just growing. They're going to get into production by 2021. But this is basically, yes, a completely solar-powered sedan. Does it come with a swag? Uh, I don't know. So, when the sun goes down, you've got somewhere to sleep? Oh, true. Good point. Well, I'm sure there's some way that it stores energy. No, no, I think this is, this is, this is where we should be going. I mean, if you're going to have electric cars, and I love electric cars because, hey, talk. We've had this conversation before. Yes. Um, but the frustration with them is their short range. Mm. If you cover them, sheet them with solar panels, then surely yeah. they're going to last longer. Fully, because they just keep going. Put your standard lot of batteries in there, sheet it with solar panels so that you don't just have regenerative braking. It's kind of like your your solar panels are like your alternator, basically. Yeah, kind of like that. It's charging the... Man, that's Charging while you drive. Now... Well, does this run purely on solar or... Yes, this is... This can is, you charge it manually as well? Um, From what I'm seeing, yeah, it's a purely solar panel. And what kind of range does it have? Um... It has a range that is, oh, I'm about to tell you. He's <laughs> madly scrolling through the article. Um, it has a range. Actually, this is really cool. It has like, so it's a solar panel car that feeds a battery. Yep. Um, and it has a range of 800 kilometers. That's which decent. Is super decent. That's that like, that's like decent. a lot of our small cars. Yep. So you basically charge up your battery, you know, by plugging into the power point and then the solar panels supplement that while you drive down the road. This would be awesome in Australia where we have so much sunshine. Mm. So yeah, that's number 10. And even, and even more awesome when you have daylight saving. Another, another reason for daylight saving right there. You can drive your, drive your solar car further. Okay, <laughs> and, and and your curtains get faded, and <laughs> and it kills the plants. Anyways, um, continuing on, over one million gardeners have united to create global network greenery that nourishes the bees and the butterflies. Of course, one of the uh, the biggest issues we've been having over the last couple of years um, in terms of the climate is the death to the bees, which has been a terrible thing. Um, but yeah, people are, are gathering together to fix that. Um, another cool thing that is going on is a new factory that uses enzymes to recycle all plastic at once has, um, found backing from major corporations. So basically there's this bacteria that breaks down plastic. They've found that they've used that. And now they've been backed by huge corporations to find out a way that they can just, um, expand this, make this huge and, you know, implement this in, in waste facilities and whatnot. So okay, there's so bacteria that, that feed on plastic. Yes. And we drink a credit card's worth of plastic every week. Are we going to have these bacteria as a part of our biome? Ooh. That's an interesting thought. Anyway, moving oh. on. <laughs> Take a probiotic yep. that, like, breaks down plastic. and Man, that's genius. Um, this is one I talked about a couple of years ago. Um, 
uh, not a couple years ago, gee, um, a couple weeks ago about the three-story water battery that's up in the University of Queensland that's doing amazing things. It is like slashing their um, you know, the bills for electricity as well as their um, electrical usage by 40%. Um, and they're saying over the next 25 years, they'll save $100 million in air conditioning costs alone. That's incredible. That's amazing. That one right there, I hope they have it set up, and I don't know how they have it set up, but if I was going to set something up like that, I would have the generator, you know, all the whole thing behind glass in the foyer so you can watch it in operation. Oh, that is so smart. Well, Because you just walk in there, it's cool technology, you stand there and look at it while you're waiting to go and see somebody. Well, at the, like it's placed at the University of the Sunshine Coast, so at the moment it's just kind of one of those, oh, yeah, it's out the back kind of situations, which you would expect. Nah, feature the thing. Feature yeah. the thing. I love that. It'd be like walking into a, a technology museum, but it's right there in front of you. Oh, yeah, it'd be amazing. Bragging rights. Make the most of it. <laughs> Bragging rights. <laughs> okay, another cool one. Um, a Cameroon man uh, <laughs> uses recycled plastic water bottles to build canoe- canoes to help fishermen in need um, and brings the first recycling system to the nation. So this one guy basically has created recycling in Cameroon by accepting water bottles that he turns into canoes. So saw like a bunch of those in Ethiopia out on the lake, eh? Yeah, some plastic bottle rafts and whatnot uh, that people were fishing on. That was awesome. It was amazing. It's like, I need a boat. Okay, I just collect plastic bottles. I have a boat. Okay, so this is really cool. They've created a, a revolutionary new blast furnace that vaporizes trash and turns it into clean energy without any emissions. I remember that story. It's just like, and then the plastic blows up and then it. It's clean energy. energy. That's amazing. Uh-huh. I just love vaporizing stuff. Yes, it's Definitely. like it's 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 the it's 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 right up there with shredding stuff. Shredding oh, and vaporizing. Oh yes, this <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> They're kind of addictive to watch. Yeah. Ah, oh, I just want to go watch some shredding videos. Maybe maybe after the show. Okay, number three. I have very limited time left. Number three. We talked about this one. How um, ocean cleanup made history by successfully collecting the first plastic from the great. Um, Pacific Garbage Patch with their new system that was completely crowdfunded, which is absolutely amazing. So that's, you know, expand, as we talked about when, when I talked about that, it's expanding, it's getting bigger and bigger, and they're doing more and more and creating more of these units to, cr- to clean up um, the greater uh the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Um, number two, humpback whale population has bounced back from near extinction at just 450 to over 25,000. That's incredible. So that's incredible. So from severely endangered to now, they're just a common animal. So they're doing really, 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 really well. Um, and finally, for the first time ever, scientists have identified how many trees that they would need to plant to essentially stop the climate crisis or, you know, um, to, you know, uh, that would be suitable for worldwide reforestation. They have come to the conclusion that they would need to plant around 1 or 0.9 billion hectares worth of trees, and this would completely solve the huge deforestation that we're seeing in the world. And they're coming up with different uh, cl- uh, different circumstances in which they can facilitate that and whatnot. And so, yeah, I think it's just been a really good year in in, in moving towards um, helping the climate, um, moving towards uh, sustainability, and hopefully we can see more and more stuff like this as we go into 2020, as I'm sure many people have plans. Uh, this is Tim Newfield with Cornerstone featuring Audrey Assad. 
You listen to Tim Newfeld with Cornerstone featuring Audrey Assad. You're listening to Faith FM. We're about to have another clue for our quiz. Lawson, go for it. Who am I? So we know that this guy, he told Peter that he found the Messiah. But also, he is from Bethsaida. Okay, there you go. If you know the answer, 1-800-324-843. You're just like doing some intense thinking. I was, I was. Whether that's correct or not. I was doing intense thinking about uh, my next news story and the text message coming through and my next interview and a whole bunch of things. But anyway. Ah, there you go. It was all going through my head all at once. 1-800-324-843. That is 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us on 0491-064-669 if you know the answer and a prize is coming your way. Okay, so while I'm here celebrating about yesterday's earthquake, which was uh, 3.7 and 4.1 respectively, and I felt it, and I called it, and I said it was an earthquake, um, (laughs) which was just amazing. So much back padding going on in the studio. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Self, though. But, as I said earlier, this is one of those subjects about which I'm torn because the increase of earthquakes in our world, which has, you know, just... If, if you look at the, the research and the t- statistics, mm. it is completely out of control mm. um, and increasing at a rate that's just mind-blowing. Um, and it is a sign that Jesus is coming back soon. Mm. This is one of the signs that you know the Bible says this is what happened. Just before Jesus comes back, you would have this massive J-curve <clears throat> effect in the uptake of earthquakes, and that's, that's our world. Mm. Um, however, the very serious uh, news in relationship to earthquakes this morning is a big earthquake that hit the island of Mindanao, Mindanao yeah. in the Philippines. Dozens of people have been killed there. Um, they're still searching for survivors, particularly in the uh, Southern Trade Shopping Center in one of the major cities there where they um, have at least five people missing, expected, uh, presumed dead, but they're digging through trying to find them. Mm. So we need to keep the Philippines in prayer. And while I have a little bit of fun here in relationship to our little local earthquakes that sort of never do anything in Australia, um, there is a very serious side to this story. And, you know, there's a lot of people around the world that have been really traumatized by earthquakes, and I don't want to make light of that in any Mm. way, shape or form um, because, you know, this is... Just evidence once again that Jesus is coming back soon. Mm. Okay, so the latest snapshot of child health in Australia. Uh, This has come from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. Well, I'm not a child, but... 96% of children do not eat enough vegetables. Only 4% of our children are eating enough vegetables every day. So, Lawson, you're not a child anymore. You're mm, an adult. Do you yes. need to eat enough veggies every day? Yeah. <laughs> sure. I think you probably do. Uh, are olives a vegetable? Olives are a fruit. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. And so I was about to say sun-dried tomatoes. Yesterday. Sun-dried tomatoes are a fruit? Yesterday I had like a pita bread with hummus. Hummus, chickpea is kind a of... A legume. A legume. So, man, technically... Is that a no then? Because <laughs> no, yesterday for lunch I ate like a, a hummus and sun-dried tomato and olive pita bread thing. Sounds good. It was oh, it was fantastic. Sounds good. But doesn't have all the veggies. Yeah, well, mm. this is a question. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, this of course is in the age bracket of zero to twelve. 
Um, so it doesn't go into the teen years. These are uh, pre-teen children that have been studied. Um, 50% of them are overdosing on sugary drinks, which is massive. Mm. Uh, on the positive side, physical activity is up. Wow. And so uh, parents have heard the, heard the message of getting the kids outside and getting them involved in you know, sports or outside activity, whatever that might be. Um, you know, I, I like the stories that are floating around, you know, of the uh, 12-year-old kid who, uh, you know, the bushfire came close, so he just got in the ute and drove off. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's like every 12-year-old needs to know how to drive. Oh, that's so and true. Should be, and should be taught to drive in a paddock. It's a, it's a safety issue. Man, I remember being like five and my dad got me on his knee on the beach. And he's like doing the the throttle. Okay, and... let's not do illegal things. It is illegal to do it on the beach, but it's legal oh. to do it on private property. on property. Yeah, that's right. yeah, that's what I meant to say. It was in our backyard, <laughs> and uh... <laughs> but yeah, this, this is this is um, you know our kids need to uh, mm. need to learn these kind of skills, and the younger they learn them, the safer the driver they will be in adult years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, twelve and under is great time to learn to drive mm. I, in a paddock. We can't do any any damage. Mm. Anyway, uh, moving back to, uh, um, and of course I say that in relationship to kids who live in the bush and who can't, you know, be involved in sports and those kinds. Oh, just real quick, I just remembered. So I'm 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 going to be involved in the uh, the summer camps this year for the yes, and they have they're going to be okay. But yeah, it's going to be a really good time. They usually do some kind of go kart thing up there. They do some kind of thing. Um, Really good. Yeah. They, they, they do lots, I shouldn't say some kind of, they do lots of amazing things up there. Mm. So it's going to be awesome. It is. Okay, so two out of three zero to 12-year-olds are overdosing on screen time. Oh, um, and that's up from half eight years ago. So half of them eight years ago were overdosing. Now it's um, two-thirds. Two-thirds, And yeah. so that's a problem that uh, we need to wind back along with the sugary drinks and along with winding up the vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, what is really, really freaky as far as health goes is that three out of five 12 and under children are subject to online abuse. Mm. Three, okay, wait, wait. Wrap your head around this. Three out of five children under the age of 12. Yeah. So if you as a listener today have a child under the age of 12, the chances of that child being abused online... 60%. Yeah. 60, which is 60% and higher. Which is something that we've known for the longest time, so why especially is your child anyone online, who's involved in Why it? has your oh. child got any access to anything online that is not in the living room and is not in an area where adults are present? Why? Mm. Um. I've said this before, but to give children access to screens and the internet um, in an unsupervised environment is a form of child abuse. And it's just not doing them any favors. Like any positives you think you could gain from that. I read an article. Exist. I read an article this week about a woman who works for a, a, a private company that um, tracks down online um, abusers, mm. um, and she. You know, has a whole you know makeup acting kind of thing where she will pose as um, you know various young ladies of yeah. various different ages. She went on as, went on as an eleven year old, mm. and within you know like I think it took um, just over ten minutes before the first you know and and, and opened opened an Instagram account as an eleven year old. Mm. Within eleven minutes, she had her first uh, dick pic. 
You know, by the end oh, of the week, that is so by the awful. by the end of the oh. week, by the end of the week, she'd had fifty-one abusive messages. She'd had multiple videos come through mm. of uh, you know guys who were just you know doing terrible acting things. out terrible things yeah. on the video <sighs> in front of an eleven-year-old yeah. girl, and that. <sighs> I, I have, and you wonder why I get on here and say that giving a child un, um, unsupervised access to the internet, internet is a form of child abuse? Mm. It is. You're not being a parent. Mm. Children have rights, and the basic right of a child is protection by their parents. And if you are not protecting your child, then you're abusing your child. You are, mm. you are stripping of, the, of their rights. They are born with the right to be protected by their parents. Yeah. So be a parent and protect your Oof. child and, you know, get rid of these things. You know, they're not going to die. We didn't die when we were kids. Well, we, as in me, uh, <laughs> because I never had screens when I was a kid. Yeah. In fact, I had a great childhood. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't even want to, I don't want to list the things that were sent to uh, this 11 year old girl within one week. Okay, continuing on, uh, 25% of our under 12-year-olds are obese. That's just <clears throat> phenomenally oh, ridiculous. Is... And once again, this is a form of child abuse by parents, you know. if Just just control what your child eats. You are the parent. You are the one who gets to make these decisions. When the children run the home, the home becomes foolish. Mm. You know, if uh, if they make those decisions once they're an adult, then that's, you know, that's entirely up to them. But um, we shouldn't be doing this to inflicting this upon our children. Um, I'm going to get in trouble for all this, but I'm just I'm a bit wound up about it this morning. Yeah. So, but anyway, you've got our number one eight hundred three two four eight four three. I'm happy to I'm happy it's, to take it's something we I'm need to, to take be this aware one of. Off. It's fully it fully is like if we don't talk about it, who will? Okay, uh, another point here: immunizations are down. Um, only nine out of children in Australia have been immunized um, by the age of two, and smoking and drinking by mothers is also down, which is super positive. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so there's some there's some good good things and bad things, but uh, a lot of areas in which we can improve, and particularly you know those of us that are parents, um, let's be parents. Mm. It just comes down to that. Yeah. Um, if you put the effort in initially, your life will be so much easier. Um, anyway, so many more interesting stories out here. I didn't even get to. Ah, oh, I'm going to come back and, and do a couple more stories later on in the show because we didn't get to talk about um, nativity scenes. Ah. Oh. <laughs> And I did promise I we know, were going to talk I was, about I was nativity hanging out scenes. for nativity scenes. But watch out for the hot weather coming up. We do have uh, record temperatures. Um, the record temperature for Australia, across Australia, is set to be broken on Wednesday. Okay. Um, and broken again the next day, the very next day on Thursday. Wow. So that's the uh, prediction for this week. You might want to start thinking about ways of staying hydrated and cool. This is Anders Svensson. I'm Matt Casabia.
listen to Anders Venson, I Met the Saviour. We're about to have another clue for our quiz before we jump into our interview for the day. Lawson, go for it. Who am I? I am one of the 12 apostles. Indeed. Ooh, so indeed. this guy is like pretty famous. Yep. And he talks to Peter and he's from Bethsaida. So he tells Peter that he's found, Jesus, found the Messiah. <clears throat> Yeah, so, wait, so this guy's really important. This uh-huh. guy, is, he's uh-huh. the man. All right, give us a call. 1-800-324-843. And if you know who this is, you will win a prize. One of the subjects that we've been talking about somewhat here on Faith FM over the last week or so has been the latest version of the Religious Freedom Bill that's just been released. 
And joining us on the phone this morning is uh, Michael Worker from the Religious Liberty Department of the Adventist Church in Australia um, to give us a little bit of context. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Yeah, morning, Lyle. Morning, Lawson. Good morning. Um, Michael, super pleased to have you on the show this morning. From the perspective of uh, religious liberty, is this version of the bill an improvement over the last one? Well, that's a really good question, Lyle, and and I guess an answer would be yes and no. Um, mm-hmm. If we were to give the first version of the bill a grade of, say, 4 out of 10, well, I think we would, would be fair to say that this is a significant improvement um, and we'd give it a 6 out of 10, uh, but I'd have to say there's still some way to go on it. Do you do you hold out uh, high hopes for the for being for this for this version to be uh, to receive more improvement before it um, goes to Parliament? Look, I, I'm I'm quite optimistic. Uh, I, I believe the government is keen to see this bill become law. It's it's a, an election promise. It's it's something that's very dear to the heart of many Australians, and so I believe. Uh, and my personal experience is that the government is very open to feedback. They're actually seeking feedback. Uh, there's two more opportunities. Certainly there's a review that's open until the end of January, which we'll be preparing a submission for. And then once it goes to um, Parliament, um, that'll, the Senate will automatically refer it to a Senate committee, of which there'll be another opportunity to make submissions uh, to make amendments to the bill, so, so I'm optimistic that we can, you know, make some substantive improvements to what we have today. Now, this what this particular bill is a religious freedom bill. What's the difference between a religious freedom bill and, say, an anti-discrimination bill? Um, you know, we've got the sword shield kind of uh, analogy here. What, what's the sure. difference between these two issues? Yeah, well, this is actually a religious discrimination bill, and what we were after was a religious freedom bill. So essentially, a religious freedom bill would have been like a shield to provide protections in harmony with the ICCPR Article 18, which was basically just to protect the right of people of all faiths and even those of no faith to be able to freely express uh, their beliefs reasonably um, in, in our very pluralistic modern society. But what we've actually got is a religious discrimination bill. And, and an anti-discrimination bill, by its very dif- definition, is to provide the right to discriminate. And so it becomes a sword. And, and so what it does is it kind of puts us on the back feet, foot because as people of faith, we, we're not looking to uh, take a sword out against other people and proactively discriminate, we're just wanting the protection of a shield uh, to ensure that we can live out our faith peaceably. Now, I give credit to the Attorney General. I think he's done a wonderful job of of making a, a piece of legislation that's designed to be a short sword have many elements of being a shield. So it, it's kind of got a foot in each camp at the moment, but, but generally that, that shield-based protection has been... Um, yeah, largely delivered within the context of, of legislation that's designed to be a sword. With Scott Morrison being a Christian Prime Minister, why do you think he took this particular approach of the you know, the sword, so to speak, rather than the shield? Uh, look, I wouldn't call myself an expert political commentator, but 
I think most people would see it as political pragmatism. And, and when you look at the basic human rights outlined by, by the UN, um, you know, we have um, anti-discrimination bills for sex, race, um, disability, and, and all of these kinds of things. And, and the one that was missing, the yawning gap, was, was faith or religion. And, and so it made sense to complete the, the box set of anti-discrimination bills by adding uh, a religious discrimination bill so that we're covering all of the basic human rights. Yeah. Now, um, coming back to the bill itself, um, you mentioned that you know if the first one is a 4 out of 10, this one's a, uh, a 6 out of 10. Um, in, uh, in, in what areas is this one an improvement over the last version of the bill? A good question. Look, there's there's a lot of areas where there's been progress made where you you might not say it's an outright win, but it's an improvement. For example, um, the former Clause 10, which is now Clause 11, has expanded um, the definition of commercial activities to include public benevolent institutions. Um, but that still only encapsulates about 30% of religious activities. Um, in, in, in our modern world, because of the litigious environment we live in, most religious activities have needed to be incorporated in public companies um, so as to, you know, protect their operations and to operate within the frameworks that society expects. Then along comes a religious discrimination bill, which basically says if you've got a commercial activity, it's excluded. And so we've really been wedged by needing to follow society's expectations of incorporating and then being told, oh, well, if you're incorporated, you're not deemed to be religious by nature. And so, you know, the, the first round excluded hospitals and aged care, um, whereas this second round is, is included hospitals and aged care, which is really good. However, it's only um, provided protection in the area of employment. That means a... a aged care provider can preference um, the employment of people of their own faith. And that's a good thing. And look, you know, our, our aged care um, are very open in their employment. We, we don't discriminate on the basis of employment um, largely, but, you know, we certainly have um, certain roles that we preserve for people of our faith. But where the bill is still missing is there is no protection for service users or service provision. So, for example, um, the Jewish faith, they, they have retirement villages just for survivors of the Holocaust. And you can understand why they would do that. Under the bill as it currently stands, it would be illegal for them to discriminate and to say to a non-Holocaust survivor, you can't enter this village. It's, 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 it's set aside specifically for those who went through the Holocaust experience. And so there's a deficiency in the bill on that front. Mm. The same, same for for service provision. You know, it's we, we have some protection around the employment or the the desire to prefer the employment of people of faith in in certain circumstances. But in in the provision of service, for example, so you have a faith based hospital, and the beliefs and the teachings of that hospital, uh, uh, and and this is a very sensitive issue. Um, to not permit um, late-term abortion for, um, you know, non-critical emergency needs. Um, as it stands, the way the bill is shaped at the moment, that hospital couldn't say no. 
to someone who wanted to have a late-term abortion uh, for non-medically critical reasons. Um, so there's still a lot of gaps in it. And anyway, you, you're wanting to know improvements. So I, I guess improvements is the scope of commercial activities protected has been broadened a little um, and, and the ability to um, preference employment has been expanded. That's one area. Um, if we look at another area, it's to do with the, the statement of belief. Um, and, and the provisions there have been expanded and it's also um, given the federal bill protection over any laws or, or um, restrictions that a local council might provide. But again, it has not provided any protection against state legislation. Uh, so that's a little bit tricky, particularly when you move into the area of vilification. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's great to see that the word vilify has been defined. Uh, but there's still a number of gaps um, around how that how that would would you know operate in reality. You mentioned there um, the relationship of this bill to state legislation. How would this affect the situation in Tasmania? They've got some you know um, quite restrictive, which which interestingly enough is our home state, um, both you and myself. But mm. uh, they've got some fairly yep. restrictive uh, legislation down there. Will this bill override Tasmanian legislation? No. No, it's been specifically excluded. And so, yes, if, if even if this bill were to become law, the way it's framed at the moment is if you have a government who passed legislation like what we have in Tasmania at the moment or even the existing Tasmanian legislation, this this bill will, will provide no protection. So, you know, the, the good Archbishop uh, Porteous um, could be and uh, the, the law would permit... Uh, the same same sort of um, case to be brought against him as was brought against him uh, those years ago. Mm, okay, so that's uh, now. Um, but you say on the local council level, it would be it would be different from that. Yeah, and look, the the protection around the local council is a local council can't pass rules that says, look, if if a a faith based organisation wants to rent the local. Um, council facilities to to run their worship services. Um, a council can't make a test of it. Do you believe in the traditional definition of marriage, or um, you know, do you support same-sex marriage? And and if a church says no, we believe in the traditional definition of marriage, the council can't say sorry, you're out. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think that's an important improvement. You know, we we certainly have some councils who have been fairly proactive in that space. And uh, so, you know, the bill, as it's now framed, provides some protections for faith-based organisations to be able to rent um, council facilities for, to, for places of worship and functions and events. You mentioned the inclusion of a definition for vilification. Will that definition be applied to state-based legislation, like, for instance, Tasmania, where they do have legislation that mentions vilification without defining it, does this new definition now become you know national across um, all of those areas? No, look, there's, and 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 this is a really tricky thing for the for the government and and an area of significant pushback. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it will play out. But at the moment, there's certainly a complete carve out uh, or a substantive carve out for or state-based legislation. Uh, and so the, if this bill as it stands was to become law, uh, we have no guarantee whatsoever that the Falau case could not happen again. 
Yeah, and that's an interesting uh, subject that we could probably spend a lot of time on. Let's see how many of these um, questions we can get through here. Um, um, okay, so just coming back to the definition of vilification, it talks about um, hate speech and violence. We all get what violence is. That's when you physically do something physical to somebody mm. else. How is there a definition for what hate speech is? Look, the um, the, the the way the definition has been. Um, put together, it, it, it's a fairly good uh, protection, a fairly good shield, if you like, coming back to the language that we, that we spoke about earlier, where it needs to incite hatred or, or hate speech or, or violence or whatever. And I think the inclusion of that word incite um, does raise the bar, does make it a harder bar to access uh, and and so yeah, I think generally we would welcome uh, that definition. There, there's certainly ways around it, but the definition itself, I, I think, has, has generally been been well received. If we look at the uh, Falau case, um, where they recently settled out of court, some have seen that as being an exoneration. Some have seen it in other light, but clearly, Rugby Australia wasn't prepared to uh, to test it in court. Some have said that you know. If that can happen here in Australia under existing legislation, why do we need this bill? Um, how do you how do you respond to that? Yeah, look, the Falau case is, is an interesting one, and as you say, we we could talk about it for a long time. Um, yeah. Look, we don't know how the courts would have treated the Falau case. Um, you know, a commercial decision has been made by RA Rugby Australia. And, um, you know, we, we, plenty of people want to hypothesise about the terms of the settlement. We, we really don't know the, the facts of the matter. And so I guess it still leaves a question mark. And uh, probably the, the key concern is, you know, there is nothing to stop um, such a case happening again in the future. And, you know, legislation is, is, is not a fix-all. Part of it is is really culture of society. What, what is the societal norm of the day? And as we've seen, societal norms, societal expectations can can swing wildly, can change very quickly in the space of uh, a short period of time. And I think what we're finding in Australia is that you know, not that many years ago, um, the protection of freedom of speech, freedom of religion was was a, a societal norm. Uh, where very quickly it's not becoming a societal norm. Um, it very much seem to be on the fringes. Uh, certain groups are, are seeking to marginalise for, for a range of reasons that we won't go into. And, and what we're finding is that the legislative framework in Australia is very thin. In fact, it's really the only um, Western democracy that doesn't have positive protections for the freedom of religion in the world. And so really we're playing a catch-up game as Australians. And I think having a robust framework that is a backstop um, for societal norms is, is essential if we're able to, if we if we want to preserve our modern pluralistic society that we currently enjoy. Very quickly, Michael, um, you'll be putting a submission into the uh, in relationship to this new bill. Um, can you highlight some of the uh, points that you will be addressing in uh, in our new submission? <laughs> Look, at the moment, there's, there's probably 
are 10 um, major areas that we, we still wish to address that we, we believe need to be to be dealt with. One is the, the broadening out of uh, the commercial activities area, as I spoke about earlier, the, the delivery of service and, and the service recipients, that, that is still a, a major area there. Um, just trying to touch on some of the highlights there. Um, I spoke uh, before about the, the Holocaust survivor as an example. I, I spoke about the uh, the late uh, term uh, termination of a of a pregnancy. Uh, there, there, there's still more work to be done around um, the coverage uh, for for state-based legislation and, and how this federal bill will interact with state-based legislation. Uh, we haven't touched on and don't really want to go too far down the track of this arbitrary uh, plucked a number out of the air, $50 million threshold for the unjustifiable financial hardship. Uh, that makes no sense at all. It, there shouldn't be a dollar value um, when when it comes to to this this sort of area. Um, the the other another area is really um, this lawful religious activity. Well, really, it's not a matter of it being lawful religious activity. It should just be a religious activity that is not criminal by nature, because lawful is a much lower bar than than a criminal activity test around religious activity or belief because laws can be passed very quickly uh, that can make something unlawful that a reasonable per person would say, oh, come on, that, that, that's, not, that's not really fair. Um, th there's also this reasonable test and, and this reasonableness test, look, I, I applaud the government. They've had a go at trying to deal with it because we didn't want the courts to really be arbitrating on what is what is a genuine expression of be belief and faith and what is not. But to then just say, look, we'll find another member of your faith who will determine whether what your view is, is reasonable or not is, is, is probably quite dangerous. And so that, that reasonableness test needs a lot more work. Um, yeah, and, and I could go on, but yeah, there, there's still a lot of work to be done uh, on the bill, uh, but we're really grateful to the fact that the government is listening, that the Attorney General's office and the PM's office are willing to interact with us. And, you know, we certainly pray that, that uh, through this process, we'll get a, a positive outcome for our country. Michael Worker, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Pleasure. That was Michael Worker, head of the Religious Liberty Department for Australia uh, for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this is The Lower Lights with Just a Closer Walk with Thee.
Hey, Brad, you like bargains, right? Oh, they don't call me bargain hunter Brad for nothing. Do they really call you that? Well, no. But I certainly love bargains. Good. Well, you'll love the Wodonga Adra Op Shop. They've got heaps of great clothes and the money goes to supporting the local community. Nice. So where can I find this Adra Op Shop? It's at 1117 Melrose Drive, Wodonga. And it's open on Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 to 3. I'm already on my way. See ya. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.